Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host and producer of Your Story Matters radio show. Today on Inspiring Healing, we are talking with writer, speaker, teacher, and healer, Denise Cunningham. She has authored the book, Whispers of Hope, and shares about her own story of dealing with breast cancer and some of the other things in her life that have helped her to achieve what she's doing today to help encourage and inspire many. Hi, Denise. Welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. I'm very excited to have you on today and to talk about your book and all that you're doing with your business, and it's just so many wonderful things that I found at your website. But before we talk about that, I would love for you to give the listeners a little bit of history about you, sort of where you came from, how things evolved for you uh, leading up to your diagnosis, and then what actually helped you to start your business and doing what you're doing. Sure. Um, I grew up in a family where my mother was an alcoholic and she was verbally and physically and emotionally abusive. Mm. And, um, yeah, as I, as I grew older, uh, that within that family, within my mother's family, um, I also experienced sexual abuse. And so I had a lot of things go on when I was a child. And uh, as I got older, I think one of the the really pivotal points in my life was my my father committing suicide when I was 18. That really, really rocked my world and really started me, I believe, on the path of examining life and, and what am I here for? You know, basically that was the... Right, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think that's when I started asking that question mm-hmm. really in earnest. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think I had a what I would call a, a, a dark night of the soul at that point. Really, I mean, I I just didn't understand it. I didn't I didn't get how that could happen, mm-hmm. and I I actually kind of vacated my life for a while. I left my job and I I left my family and I moved across the country and just took six months out and really really looked at my life and, and what I was doing and, and what I wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. I Before you to... talk about what happened from there, because that's obviously very pivotal in your life story, can you share with the listeners some of the feelings that you carried with you from living that sort of childhood with the dysfunction there and the things going on with the parenting? Because I know that a lot of people can probably relate to those feelings and and how based on what you went through and how you felt during your childhood and things like that how did you get through those challenges because those are some huge challenges from those experiences i made up some some beliefs some mistaken beliefs about myself i i believed that i i didn't matter i believed that i was not lovable um I believed for a lot of it that I was alone mm-hmm. when I was when I was very young mm-hmm. because you know you're really you're in that family and the people who are supposed to be caring for you are the ones that are abusing you and so it's it's really a, a lonely place yes and a, yeah a very a very dark place at times and the way that I coped with that as I got older, for sure, 
I, I can remember meeting my best friend, I think, in grade one or grade two. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time at her house. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to have the, the self-preservation at that point to, to remove myself from the dysfunction and from the abuse. And I did that a lot, actually, and as did my, my siblings. We all seemed to find surrogate families mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where, you know, where we could remove ourselves from that. And um, Did you ever feel as a child, or especially probably in your teenage years, or possibly in your teenage years, that things would never get better? Because I know that even as adults, sometimes people go through such tremendous struggles that it just feels hopeless. It feels like there's just no way that anything could change or get better and that this is it. Hmm. I don't know that I I did. I always somewhere in me harbored a little kernel of hope Mm -hmm. that there had to be something different than what I was living. And I think being part of those surrogate families really helped to foster that. Like I, I began to see that there was, at first growing up in that household, I thought everybody grew up that way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when I was really young. And then as I began to go out into the world, I began to see that there was another way of living, that there was another way of doing things. I didn't yet know how to do that. Right. Yeah. That makes I, a lot of sense. And I think that sometimes when we talk with other people about similar stories and in my own story, that little example that we get to see outside of our own world that is full of suffering and despair shows us that there is hope, that there is the possibility of something different. There's the possibility of love, of amazing, of healing, things like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure, because if I hadn't seen that example, um, I, I can even think of a few teachers that I had mm-hmm. going through school who who recognized something in me that my family didn't and that I didn't see in myself right. that helped me. Yeah. Wonderful. What do you think the things are that you found later on? And I know you're going to talk more about the journey you went on, especially starting at that six-month break, that built your character, that were things that you can take away from the difficult part of your story that really turned into helping you to be who you are today? Uh, I think the the abuse, with that, I started to go inside myself more. And from that, I developed a, a really intuitive sense of people and situations. So it helped me become more, uh, more aware. Mm-hmm. And definitely the uh, being left on my own a lot and having to fend for myself a lot. I developed um, independence. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I developed creativity. I had to find creative ways to, to you know, feed my brothers, to do, you know, different things that I didn't necessarily have the skills. Right. So, yeah, so it, it helped me... Um, with a real entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's important to share is that sometimes, again, when we feel hopeless or discouraged, I think we can remember and realize that there's learning in the situation. And so if we can start that learning process, that can really contribute to our future success and 
the way that our life's really meant to be, which is full of goodness. Absolutely, because when I look back on it, I look at you know all the things that happened, and sometimes it would be, I would see immediately what the lesson was, what I learned from it. And there were other things, like my father's suicide, that it took me probably 20 years before I got, oh, I, I understand what I learned from that and how mm-hmm. I'm using that experience to help other people now. Mm-hmm. Love it. I'm so glad that you're sharing that because I know those are the things that people need to hear, that there is a way to learn and grow from our past challenges and difficulties. And certainly you've endured some very, very painful circumstances. So what kind of evolved after you took a break and kind of revisited your life and your purpose, and how did that lead up into doing what you're doing today? Well, I think shortly after I I returned back home and started to rebuild my life, I met my my husband, and we we did a foreign assignment. We were three years overseas, and when we came home, we started a family. And for me, that's when when I had children, that's when my button started to get pushed. And mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was like all of the things that I swore as a, a teenager and a, a young adult that I would never do when I was a parent, I started to do. When, right. when the, you know, when the stress and the anxiety was really high, mm-hmm. I was reverting back to what I knew. Mm-hmm. And I just, at one point, I'll never forget this, at one point standing in the kitchen with my oldest daughter at the time, I think she was three, and I don't even remember what had happened or what button had been pushed, but whatever it was, I was standing over her, screaming at her, Mm. and and something made me stop in that moment and look into her eyes, Mm -hmm. and what I saw there was fear. Mm. And it just, like, there wasn't anything anyone could have said or done, but just that that split second of awareness and and seeing in my child what I had experienced as a child. And I said to myself, this, the abuse stops here. Right. It it stops now. I don't want this going on for another generation. Mm -hmm. And that awareness, I guess, was the beginning of me really taking a look at myself and being accountable for my own behavior and then seeking help, you Mm -hmm. know, going for parenting classes, going for counseling, really beginning to sort out what had happened to me so that I wasn't carrying that into my, into my future. Right. That makes sense. And I love that you share that because I think that regardless of what exactly we've gone through as a child and we've all gone through something, we need to look at that at some point and resolve those issues and become clear about what we need to learn from all that and then proceed on in our own life to be an adult and to not be the child anymore. For sure, because at at some point your parents are gone or the abusers are no longer there and as long as you are carrying that with you, that lives in you even though they're no longer abusing you. It becomes like baggage. It's like you're carrying this huge sack on your back everywhere that you go, and it's heavy. Right. It's heavy. 
Yes, mm-hmm. it is. And it and it really does prevent you from living out your true life purpose and from living the amazing life that I believe we all deserve. Absolutely. And that I think that became really, really clear to me when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I think, similar to to your story that the prognosis was not good. Mm-hmm. And so it became, I was 35 and my children were five and two. Mm. And I, it was, the, I think really the first time that I got that I was in a situation that I had, I had no control over. Right. The only thing I had control over was how I chose to spend each day. That's right. You know, so yeah, so it I couldn't necessarily influence the amount of time I had left, but I could certainly choose the quality that I brought to each day. Mhm. And that really became for me, okay, you know, if you've got 6 months to live, how do you want to live those 6 months? What do you want to do? Um and then the longer I lived after diagnosis, I thought, wow, you know, I've if I'm still here, I've got a real purpose here. That's um, right. Absolutely. You know? I love that. And yes, I can definitely relate. And I think that from what you're saying, everything that you experienced, both the good and the bad up to that point, really evolved into shaping you to be able to deal with the diagnosis, how you have, and to really turn it around into something that is amazing, positive, beautiful, so helpful for others. Thank you. Yeah, I, I believe so, that my past definitely prepared me for that. I, the strength and the, the courage and, the, you know, even what happened with my dad, helping me to go inside and, and look at, you know, his, his life was over what I would consider really quickly. And, mm-hmm. you know, a really great friend of mine asked me once, he said, what do you have to teach that your father forgot? And that became really clear for me when I was, after diagnosis, I thought, what is it that I'm here to teach? And I thought my dad forgot that Mm. he mattered. Mm. My dad forgot that his life had meaning and purpose and there was a reason why he was here. Yes, I love that. Yeah, thank you. All of those things came together and that's when I decided to move forward and and share my story and speak to people um, to to let them know that no matter what you've gone through in your past or even what's happening now in your present, there's hope. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's always hope. That's right. There's most definitely always hope, and it's all that perspective and what we do with that that can create our own hope. Can you share with the listeners some of the healing process and what that looked like for you? I know you mentioned going to counseling and going to parenting classes and things like that, but oftentimes I'm asked myself and and I get people messaged into the website about different shows and they want to know how. How do you start this process? How do you keep going when you feel discouraged or you just can't do it today? Well, again, if I needed it, I definitely reached out for support, and if that was a a call to a friend or a counselor or whatever, I I did that. And I also, I listened to my body, actually. 
if, if I would really to think about that, mm-hmm. I listen to my body and my body would tell me if I'm, if I'm heading in one direction and it just doesn't feel good, it right. doesn't feel good in my gut, it doesn't feel good in my heart, mm-hmm. then it's like, hmm, something's, something's out of balance here, something's out of alignment here. Mm-hmm. And, and beginning to look at that, that was a, a first step as well, really examining my life. Like it, it, if it's not working, mm-hmm. what isn't working and what can I do to change that? Right, right. I like that a lot. And I think that that's, those are both critical things, I think, in, in working through our healing and, and dealing with life every day is recognizing what we're feeling physically, emotionally, and how that's affecting our decision-making and how that's affecting you know, our attitude, and it just all leads to what's really going on here. What are we really supposed to be doing with our time, which, as you've mentioned, is very valuable. Yeah, and another piece I just thought of as you were speaking, Angela, is there are sometimes on this healing journey, for me it was often like a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. You know, some days I would feel like I was at the at the top of the ride, and the other days sometimes feeling down at the bottom. Right. And a a big part of it for me was honoring my feelings too. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've heard that expression, what we resist persists. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it wasn't about stuffing my feelings and saying, you know, putting on the, the Pollyanna brave face and saying, oh, everything's fine when I didn't feel fine. Mm-hmm. But it was about acknowledging what I was feeling and then looking at, okay, how do I move beyond this? Mm-hmm. Very true. I, I have to agree with that. It's it's acknowledging everything, the good and the bad. And, and as you said, I think that when we come from a past of a lot of abuse, anxiety, fear, we tend to build a wall around us that doesn't allow us to feel because that's how we survive. Yeah. And so I think what you're talking about is similar to my own experience and many others that I've spoke with of breaking down that wall and realizing that it's okay to be afraid, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be hurt, and allowing all that and then processing through it on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because it's it's the stuff that we don't acknowledge and allow to stay stuck in our body mm-hmm. that I believe causes lots of problems for us. Yes, I, I agree, physically and emotionally. I would love for you to share with the listeners about the breast cancer diagnosis and how you went through dealing with that, other than what you've mentioned so far. Were there times that you felt like, I need to prepare for my death, or did you just not even accept that possibility and move forward with trying to heal and trying to make the most of your life? I think for the most part... I didn't ask why me, I asked why not me, you know, what What am I meant to learn from this, mm-hmm. what, how am I supposed to go forward and, and teach from this, but there were, I do remember a moment when I was standing in the shower, because I would, I would cry in the showers, I didn't want my babies to see me upset all the time, and I, I remember standing in the shower and I was watching my, my hair go down the drain from the chemotherapy. And I remember saying to God, please just do whatever is right for my children. And at that point, mm. I think when I finally surrendered 
that I didn't have control over this. Right. You know, when I, when I finally surrendered, then the pieces would come to me that needed to be healed. Yes. I don't know if that makes, does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense to me because I've been there. I've seen in my own life experiences that as I was able to accept and surrender to whatever was happening, peace overcame me. And I was able to see that all would be well despite the outcome. Even if it was one that I didn't necessarily want to have happen, I had to trust that all was as it should be. And that's Absolutely. huge, huge in your healing. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure if it's Oprah who said that there's a bigger plan for us than we can even imagine. Yes. And Absolutely. so in order to be part of that plan, I needed to surrender the small plan I had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Very, very true. When you decided to write the book, what was the main purpose of the book and who are you trying to reach in what you're sharing in the book? The main reason for writing the book was that I've been a counselor for several years and I work one-on-one with people and, and sometimes I do group work and retreats and that sort of thing. But I started to realize at some point that I wouldn't live long enough to reach all of the people that I wanted to reach with my message if I was doing it Mm one-on-one. And so the book was a way to put everything in one place. And my, my vision for it was that in whatever way it would find its way into the hands and the hearts of everyone on the planet who was seeking peace. The book is about looking at what happened in the past, but then it's about... At the end of each chapter, there's tools for transformation, which are questions that help people to begin to have a a different perception about things that have happened and to help them begin to tell a a new story about who they truly are and and where they're going in life. It's amazing because I, I wrote it for others, and but in the writing of it, I healed at an even deeper level than I had before, which was not something that I expected. Mm-hmm. Yes, I found that too. As I write and share my story, everything becomes clearer and it allows me to have even more healing, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, I never thought about this like this before. And uh, I want to reach people who are going through life and think that there is no hope. You know, I, I want to be able to plant a seed of hope in as many people as possible. And, you know, from from right now, no matter what's happened in the past, from, from right now and from this moment forward, all of us can begin, begin to create a new story and really start to live our purpose. Yes. You know? Powerful. I love that you're saying that. The book is not necessarily just for people who have endured breast cancer or lost a loved one it's really for anyone that just needs to recognize the power in our stories and find out more about how to go through that healing process is that right yes it is yeah love that and the book is called whispers of hope and i'm very excited that you generously donated a copy so that one of our listeners can win the book and uh, once it's posted, the interview's posted on our website, they can comment there and be entered to win the book. And I think that'll be just a wonderful 
gift for someone, and I'm sure some of your words today will definitely inspire and encourage many people. Can you share with the listeners what it is you help people to do? Because I know you also are a healer, you're a teacher, you're a speaker. Tell us what you do when you're in that mode and how you can reach out best to people. I would say that when I'm in that mode, what I'm helping people do is move from their head into their heart and really look at the truth of who they are. It's often, I think we've, we talked about this earlier in the interview, all of the so-called bad things that happen to us, we, we can tend to carry that around as baggage and we start to believe untruths about ourselves, that right. we're not lovable or that we don't matter. Mm-hmm. And so all of my work in the world is being conscious and present, fully present with people, seeing the truth of who they are and reflecting that back to them until they're able to see it for themselves. Mm, I like that. Very good. And I think that's helpful, again, to even go back to what you said earlier. Most of the time, we can't do all of this healing on our own. We need others. We need others' insight and input, and sometimes the most important thing someone else can do for us, whether a counselor or a coach or a healer or, or even reading the book, is to help us to see that we are lovable, we're valuable. Um, what we've gone through or what we've experienced or even what we've done does not by any means make us a bad person or unworthy. Absolutely. Share your website so others could contact you if they're interested in working with you. Predominantly now, I'm moving more towards speaking, inspirational speaking and writing. I'm contemplating the next book. But when I'm working one-on-one with people or in retreats or in group sessions, there's different exercises that we do. Like there's an experiential component definitely to what I do. There's There's talking and there's listening because I think it's very valuable for people to share their stories Mm -hmm. and equally as valuable to have someone witness them and and hear them. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's that component. There's the component of the experiential where we can go into and examine some of those mistaken beliefs and Mm -hmm. then begin to focus on what the truth is about us. Mm And that's the the healing part. I I'm a, a Reiki master, and so I do energy healing, mm-hmm. and and that comes from my breast cancer experience, as well as the traditional medical. I also sought out different treatments, complementary treatments, because I thought if it's not going to hurt me and it may help, I'm going to try it. And right energy healing and meditation, all of those sorts of things were were things that uh, helped me heal the spiritual side of me. And mm-hmm. so I incorporate that into my practices as well. Very nice. And how can others contact you if they want to learn more and how would they find uh, the book if they want to purchase it? Everything that I do is on my website, which is www.journeyhome.ca. 
And the book is available on there as well for purchase. It would be under the Writing and Speaking tab on the website. Wonderful. And thank you again for donating one of the books to one of our listeners. I'm sure that there will be many who will be anxious to win a copy or pick up a copy today and to learn from your experience. And I appreciate so much, Denise, that you have been open and vulnerable enough today to share some of your life and to share that in the book even more And I do wish you the best in your continued endeavors as far as moving forward to help others and in your own healing process. Well, it's been my great honor to speak with you, Angela, and I I thank you very much.